everybody, welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Hello. Hello indeed. How you doing, Dan? Not too bad. I am bizarrely like raring to go, even though like today has been very long. <laughs> so but I still have energy, so that's a good thing. It's good. I'm glad you have energy. I have I have none, so this will be a very interesting recording session for us. <laughs> I'll probably lose energy after the first comic we talk about, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yes. If we can make it through that book, though, I think we'll 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 make it through everything. But that, uh, oh boy. Well, I mean, let's let's just dive into it. Um, this week we are covering um, our normal books. We'll be doing Excalibur 37, uh, Gen X 26, Exiles 38, and X Factor 87. And uh, kicking things off. Dan, why don't you tell us about Excalibur 37? Ah, yes. It's the first part of the Prometheum Exchange, which bodes well. Um, So Excalibur 37, it's uh, written by Mark Lobdell. Well, I'm assuming it's... I didn't say Mark Lobdell. I literally merged those two guys. Um, (laughs) Lobdell is uh, clearly on the pencils, and Mark Badger is uh, doing the... uh, I've just done it all the wrong way. Badger's the artist. And we all know Scott Dell writes, but he could have drawn this, to be fair. Um, right. Look. Um, so, uh, Glenn Sullivan's on a con- on Hughes because um, I just I, any time a comic book does this whole like um, yeah, they're doing that story thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can see why you no one, no one wants to put their name to this. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no one wants to say exactly what part they have "quote unquote" credit for. Yeah, Chris uh, Iliopoulos uh, is the letterer, and Terry Kavanagh is on bass apparently because uh, he wasn't doing his job, and Tom DeFalco is on lead vocals. I feel like this is the equivalent of like a, a really bad screamer band. Um, yeah. if, if we're going with band analogies. Sure. Anyway, uh, on the front cover, we have. Uh, a very chinny kitty fighting an evil Reed Richards and there's an evil uh, human torch and an evil thing and got to do him and it's all very um, impressionistic in and that's me being the most generous I could yeah. be talking about it. It has like an impressionistic style but I generally don't feel like that's the point. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the cover, so I can easily move on. And yes, listeners, this is going to be quick with this issue. Um, hopefully, yeah, because the, the, I mean, this was difficult to to look at. Dan, um, story aside, not, not that, that the story was great, but like the artwork was. Oh man, I I couldn't believe this was published by a, a major corporation. <laughs> um, it does feel very much like, um, um, oh, I really like those characters. And I'm seven years old. I'm gonna drive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably really mean. Anyway, um, some people who made out of dough, um, who are apparently our characters, sort of shapeshift their physiques around the pages of this book uh, throughout. Um, there's like a a scene where I totally, which reminded me that Kitty is always in out of, uh, always phasing, and so she has to concentrate because sometimes that's not even ever mentioned. Um, and she drops some of Brian's china, which he obviously stole um, when he was, you know, in his imperialist days. Um, and then Megan still can't cook, even though she's been 
in our world for a long, long time. And she's apparently cooking eggs, but I've never seen rectangle eggs before. Um, it's a weird moment in time. And then apparently she's uh, then Kurt really patronized is, is really patronizing about a note she left about Dr. Doom calling them. Then Dr. Doom turns up and there's this weird like comedy sketch show-esque dialogue going on. Um, Doom wants the Soul Sword, which I forgot was outside of Excalibur's lighthouse, um, to go find something called Prometheum, which is like a magical essence. Uh, he needs to go to Limbo. They decide to trust him because uh, Rachel does like a, a mind thing. And then um, they go to Limbo and somehow Lobdell does his best Claremont and gets Kitty wrapped up in tentacle porn again. Uh, and yeah, it's, apparently the Lady of the Lake doesn't like it and goes and asks the West Coast Avengers to help. And they agree and it ends with Doctor Doom double crossing them, and there's an army of evil superheroes. The end. That's pretty much it. Uh, you blasted right through this book in a way that I wish I could have. Uh, but there's so many dialogue boxes, it took forever to get through. It was and like prolonged torture. I don't understand. Right. So, um, there's a Doctor Doom shows up, and looking at it, um, the, the actual panel with like Doom himself doesn't look that bad but the actual other characters just look like is that just is 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 brian like a fleshy blob of a person right yeah it's i mean i i get he's going for a, a certain style here but it just feels not not defined it looks like he's reaching out to figure out what kind of style he wants to draw on instead of having a defined defined uh sense of self here um and it, it comes off as everything is blobby and it's very ugly and, and ill-defined. Um, you know, I'd argue that, you know, I'd get behind this style normally, but it just feels like with this style and weird, like, everything's a joke. There's like this really weird, jokey yep. air to the whole thing. Very jokey, yeah. It's full-on filler, even though it's oh, the beginning of course. part story. Um, I know, just, I don't know, it, just doesn't, it, didn't, it did not land at all with me, and I'm just like, sure. eh. Like, I mean, the, it, the whole book is kind of a filler. You know, we had like the, the start out, this is what we're going to do. And then it was like, well, well, we'll go over to this magical place. And then half of that story was filler. And then they came back and like, well, we don't, still don't know what to do with these characters. Let's just like randomly do stuff. There's no real theme to the book at the moment, right? Yeah, it's treading, it's basically treading war. It, maybe it was, we're not really into the like the, the the history of the book itself. Maybe its sales were and they're trying the hardest to write the ship. Maybe that's mm. why Alan Davis comes and it becomes a little bit more um, focused on a certain aspect of the Marvel universe. It mm-hmm. kind of like moves the book forward. And to be fair, I think that's what everyone remembers. I don't think people remember this. Um, no, not at all. Blob uh, mess where they teamed up with the most irritating group of avengers i've read in a while they're just all everyone's so arsy about everything it's like yeah. chill just chill please this dialogue is horrible <laughs> yeah not a fan is what i'm gonna say yeah me either when this came up and i was looking at the artwork i was like oh boy this is gonna be a slog <laughs> it really was um and thank you for dating you know uh, biting the bullet and uh and doing that that uh, summary because I would go crazy. Um, 
<laughs> is that um, these beautiful epic collections that I've got, you know, the Pro Excalibur, which I'm going to keep them all, is because they're actually on like um, actual paper, like they're, they're like really decent like mm-hmm. paper. Um, as opposed to like my uh, like other trades, which is glossy paper, and it's like it almost feels like they've wasted the paper, <laughs> like they've wasted the quality. It could have just been on glossy paper, and it would have been the same result. It just feels like a little bit of a waste of production, but you know. Yeah. No, I need, I completely agree. You need the issues to complete the run. Um. So. <laughs> one of those. One of those. Hey, we can count on these people to just buy the book because they're just going to buy the book because it's it's the book. It just feels, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll keep going on a tangent all day, but I just, I just, I'm looking forward to like, because at least Lobdell's trying to pick things from the previous, mm-hmm. uh, even if slightly. He's like, oh, um, what about Widget from like 20 issues ago? What about this? But like, <laughs> let's try and mention other things that might actually give us some story potential. Um, but yeah, mm. moment the black sheep, but not in a good way of of the X books. Um, yeah, it's the book we are just. Every time we record, we're like, I don't want to have to read this book. When is when is Dave's coming back? <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's. I think that that was more time than that book warranted. So thank you, Dan, for being a, a generous co-host. I appreciate it. That's fine. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> um, boy. All righty. Uh, well, we'll move on from that and. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Generation X, yeah? Oh, boy. <laughs> this is... Sorry, I'm not having a good morning. Um, <laughs> let me pull up the issue here. All right, Generation X, number 26. And the, I normally don't like to edit the episodes, but Dan, I'm going to have to edit a lot of this. Uh, my own fault. Uh, we're we're jumping right from one Scott Lobdell to another Scott Lobdell uh, and uh, Chris Bacalo. And um, as the creators, Scott Lobdell wrote this issue with guest artists by Joe Bennett, Joe Bennett and Joe Pimentel, uh, the JoJo's. Um, then we have a bunch of. This is Richard Starkings, Mary, Mary Jarvis. Okay, they formatted this all so weird. Mary Jarvis is colors, Richard Starkings is lettering, and um, boy, I'm out of it. Anyway, uh, on the cover we've got uh, a short-haired Jubilee uh, chewing bubble gum with a, a giant uh, comical um, gun on on one shoulder. It looks very sort of like Tank Girl-esque on the cover. Um, uh, you know, compared to the last cover, I, I don't really like how Jubilee's drawn here, but, uh, sort of conveying the, the feeling of the book, kind of like it. Yeah, I feel like, um, isn't this Bacalo? Um, so. It is Bacalo, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually quite like, I like the, it is Tank Girl, isn't it? It's a homage to Tank Girl. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, 97, the film would have just come, like, come out like a year or so ago. Um, so yeah, I actually kind of like it. It didn't feel like it's Jubilee. It could be anyone, but I yeah. quite like. It. I just like the style. It's quite nice compared to some things that we're about to see. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we jump into the book and um, we find out that Husk and Chamber and M and Skin and um, 
sink or floating on some sort of living island adrift uh, in the middle of the ocean. And uh, they're worried they're all going to die from exposure or from lack of water. Um, Husk is having skin issues until M solves it. Um, and it's, it's sort of like M and Chambers struggle to see who's going to be leading the team as they try to survive on this floating, uh, I don't know, four foot by four foot uh, island. Um, meanwhile, uh, back at the headquarters, uh, Banshee lays Emma down because he accidentally killed her when she took over his body and forced him to kill her. He's like, we're going to find the kids. Uh, we jump to Jubilee, who was captured by Bastion. Uh, she wakes up, uses her powers to like take out a bunch of guys. And this is back when they used to hint that Jubilee had a lot of power, but she was sort of unwilling to tap into it. And, you know, they always... They're like, oh, she's got potential. She could be a, like a, a heavy hitter once she like has confidence in herself. And no one ever really touched on that. And now, even as an adult, she's like, well, I just have these sparkly things, and I don't, I don't know why they decided to make that big shift for her as a character. But it, it always sort of surprised me because uh, she's a very confident person now, and she has a child, and she's led teams, but she's still like, my powers are useless. I don't know yeah. if that was an editorial decision, but it just feels very strange to me. Because anyway, for a decade they would hint about that. Well, in any way, the, um, the editorial can keep her as a child by <laughs> yeah. demoting her power status. Because I'm like, surely she can just like... Because essentially, no offense to the recent Excalibur, but she should make Gambit redundant. Right. Uh, as, a, as a power case, but anyway. No. Uh, um... <laughs> So uh, she blasts her way uh, out of like a cell and she accidentally killed some guy and she's upset. So she tries to save him and Bastion's watching, wondering like, why is she trying to help a soldier uh, on the other side? He can't, he can't understand it. Uh, meanwhile, Skin is sort of dying of exposure on this island. So Chamber decides to rip a piece of the island off and then covers Skin with it to save him. Uh, M freaks out and she flies away to try and find out where they are. Uh, Chamber and Husk have another fight because it feels like this will they, won't they, I hate you, I love you thing uh, is still continuing. Uh, Bastion continues to be surprised by Jubilee being like a decent person. Uh, and she escapes. Uh, meanwhile, guess what? Emma woke up. What a surprise. Um, she didn't die. Uh, M flies back to the little floating island, and she's exhausted, falls in the water, sinks, saves her. Hooray, hooray. Uh, Emma's like, hey, Banshee, I'm not really dead, uh, and uh, we're going to start flirting again, and we're going to save the kids. Uh, at the end, Jubilee falls out of this uh, sort of military establishment into the snow, uh, unconscious until she is saved by some guy in a big coat and he carries her back inside and they hint like she is the last x-man i i don't feel like this is a bad issue dan uh but it, it did feel like what are we doing here um i don't know if they're trying to restart um like the setting or start a new storyline it just feels like they don't know what to do with these people either and so um you know, to be honest, my favorite part was the Jubilee part, where she's actually got some time to shine, and, and, and you see who she is a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, it felt like, it just felt very meh. What did you think? I think the problem is it's three different, like, completely disparate storylines. 
the book has always done the book has always sort of straddled that everyone's in different corners kind of storyline storytelling of like having multiple mm-hmm. locations sure. but this time it doesn't really pay off like um the adrift storyline should have just been about them on the uh the the island the floating thing um sure. it would have been better to like focus on that and i feel like um because it's still hinting at like there's something wrong with m um, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it kind of like she's all in control and it's then all of a sudden she's like i'm terrified of the situation i'm gonna fly and all i kept thinking was well just wait till everett like wakes up because then the two of you can have m's powers and i'm pretty sure two m's will like get you to shore somehow <laughs> like, she's also like right. super strong so she could carry it <laughs> for no <Right>. bit, but, <laughs> 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 but that's just and because like one of them says something about they have the power to like overthrow a nation but they can't and i was like i don't know your power sets you could probably get out of this situation only like right. skip, we'll have a trouble have a little bit of trouble um but i feel like oh like surely husk could just rip off her skin and be like buoyant like a like some sort of texture or, or material that allows it to float and like you know what i mean so i'm like i'm pretty sure you can get out of it but oh well um because there's no real stakes there and like <clears throat> the emma banshee stuff just doesn't land anymore um they were at each other's throats and then there's a whole possession death thing which is not a real death and then why is she wearing a, a combat uniform yeah i don't know it's skies because it's got giant x's all over it <laughs> so like is she wearing why is she going on like cable 90s um and there's like this this weird sort of disconnect between the stories like oh we'll find the kids but we'll just like flare instead for 10 minutes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the best bit is jubilee like that is actually interesting like the kid like she's been taken and he thinks mutants are evil and he's just surprised that she's actually being decent and she tried she nearly escapes but unfortunately she outside is like an arctic wilderness so she has you know, she can't go any further uh, she's only in like um a medical gown so yeah. that was kind of like a fun thing and to be honest i'd rather see the kids be separated and attacked uh by bastion's operation zero tolerance than this weird little like we're on an island floating yeah somewhere. no it, it could be cool they have like a uh uh oh boy an arcade kind of a thing where they're each sort of in a separate room dealing with whatever as he's he's testing to see what they're like like that would have been a, an interesting story so weird that he he, he kidnapped because like in in the in what happened last issue obviously is it black tom grabbed them all and threw them off into the ocean but right. not jubilee, for some unknown reason jubilee managed to get out but still get kidnapped by someone else entirely uh-huh. <laughs> it's just it's just like i don't know this is because they're obviously gearing up maybe operation zero tolerance is the sort of reset um that they need to like sort of put because even this this book sort of doesn't it starts to feel like it has like a direction but only with jubilee story the other yeah. the others are like literally adrift um <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, yep. but really um because I, I do remember that i think all the stories come together to fight like bastion and his um operation zero tolerance stuff so i think they all do come together eventually so maybe it'll help once they've finished that story to like move on and you know i'll get a little bit better that way but i don't know it, it just feels a bit lackluster that's all mm, for sure um i mean not like horrible just 
sort of, I don't know, un, uninteresting. And uh, I, it didn't make me really feel a whole lot of, of anything except for when I was reading about Jubilee. And part of that is probably because she's one of my favorite characters. But still, it was the only thing that showed any any promise. And also the idea that she's the maybe the driving for, focus of the next issue. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's on the cover again and it's all about like her being the last, maybe the last X-Men. It's kind of like, oh, cool. Because if I remember correctly, this whole Operation Zero Tolerance, Iceman was like the main character um, in the in one of the X books. Like he he's the one that like found like um, Maggot and Miro and uh, uh, I forget her name, Cecilia Reyes. Um, mm-hmm. Like he he made that little group together, and it was just about Iceman. And then the the other book was when Wolverine had like the bandana and. All oh, right. Uh, <laughs> Cannonball was on the team. Uh, that kind of weird moment in time. But yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. The late next issue, she's a big focus. We've got Bacalo back on art, but it's a it's a very different sort of Bacalo here uh, than starting out. And I, you know, I, I really like Bacalo now. I know you're not as big a fan of his work right now. And what we're seeing, what we'll see in this next issue, is definitely a sort of a transition from early Gen X to what he's doing currently. I do like his, I do, to be fair, I do, I am, I still like Bacalo. I do like his more, like, sort of move to, uh, I want to say cartoony, but, like, more of a rounded, less of an yep. angular um, yep. to it. Like, I love his work on, um, uh, there's an X-Men book where Rogue's, like, the main character. Mm-hmm. It's, like, there's a storyline where it's, like, Rogue and Sabretooth are in, is on the team or something. I can't remember. I'm sure I have it somewhere. But I really like his work there, where because he really he draws a really awesome rogue, especially when she's got Emma's powers and Cyclops' powers. Sure. I mean, I I, I really like, uh, and it's way off topic from X Men, but he did like a, a Doctor Strange run maybe like three years ago, four years ago. That oh, yeah. was. Uh, it, what was that? Is it Jason Aaron's? Doctor? Yeah, yeah, Jason Aaron, and like there's a lot of like gruesome monster pieces and and. And it, like he, he draws really good goo, so there's like a lot of goo all over that that book too. Uh, I, I thought was pretty spectacular looking. So, staying on back of that topic, I really enjoyed his recent nonstop Spider-Man. Is it? Mm-hmm. Not so much like reading it, but like visually, I really enjoy his Spider-Man a lot. Um, sure, sure. Really works really well. I'm pretty sure he's on a book soon, actually. But I can't remember which one. Um, he always gets work, so it's not as if. Sure, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving well, that on. That was Gen X 26, 25, 20 something, uh, 26. So uh, why don't we take a break from Gen X and from Mr. Lobdell and move on over to Exiles, Dan? Yeah. Um, uh, side note, if anyone keeping track, I'm actually on my Ultimate Collection Volume 3 now. Now with the new storyline, uh, blink, turn, blink turned up from the last one, and this one actually tells me sort of who's doing stuff, um, as opposed to the ones with just random names. So mm-hmm. uh, it's written by Chuck Austin. Uh, right. Jim Calafiore is the penciler. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't tell me the inker, but I'm going to go with Mark McKenna, hopefully. Correct. Uh, apparently, the colorist in this is uh, Jung Choi. Um, well, this says but, Transparency Digital still. Ah uh, well, he could be. Yep, could be. I don't know. Dave Sharp is the letterer, and I don't have 
There's like loads of names. Uh, Mizuki Sakakibara. Sorry about Sakakibara. that. Yeah, yeah. I can't pronounce shit. Anything for uh, anything. Um, is the cover artist apparently, and on the cover we have Evil Vision and mm-hmm. thing behind him. Um, I actually quite like it. It's a, it's like a nice sort of Terminator Vision thing. It's an, it has nothing to do with anything, but. I, no, it really does have nothing to do with anything. Uh, and it's not like the most amazing cover you've ever seen, but it's a cool-looking vision. Well, I am going to um, eat my words about Chuck Austin because um, I actually enjoyed this issue. <laughs> he's, not, he's not the curse of X, X, X books at all times. Um, so we're not, as with every, as, what, as with what happened last time, there was a big event, i.e. the death of Blink, we move. We completely skip the, our actual team of exiles, and we end up with Weapon X, our little plucky team of psychopaths, uh, led by Gambit. Uh, we have uh, Spider, which is like an evil Peter Parker, and with the Carnage symbiote, I imagine. Um, we have an extremely horny Miss Marvel, um, uh, Storm, who doesn't last very long, um, Colossus, and Vision. And Colossus is kind of like the nice one out of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start with them at the end of a mission uh, where they're going to kill, um, I believe it's Bruce Banner. Yep. Uh, Vision, Vision's basically like, it's a fact. He dies, we win. Because Colossus kind of like, is like, do we have to kill him? Could we could we like, do it without him? So um, Cal enjoys like smushing his head against a wall. Uh, <coughs> I, I wanna this con- feels like a carol that um, like MAGA comic book readers would love. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, I want to call Spider uh, actually Spider Pool because he speaks like Deadpool. Um, mm-hmm. the... So yes, uh, Storm died on the mission. Gambit's not very happy. As I teleport in Hyperion, which I believe this is like the in my history of reading comic books, this might have been the second time I ever saw Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Like, um, because I, I can't remember when Complete Cyber. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski did Powers, or Supreme Powers, which is like a reimagining of uh, Hyperion's world. Mm-hmm. And I read that and enjoyed that, but I think that was way after this. And I was like, Hyperion? Who's Hyperion? Right. Oh, he's Superman. Okay, he's Superman, but evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, he is Ginger, so... Oh, apparently. Hey, Ginger's not that bad. Um, <laughs> Just decent. <laughs> evil. Well, I'm not Ginger, so it's all good. Anyway, no, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, he likes to um, pout and stare at people and they're all standing in what was Xavier's uh, mansion which has been decimated by the Sentinels up in Asteroid M Magneto with a, with a trendy scar and a, a group of fellow mutants are like oh well Magneto, like Xavier's dead um, we'll just throw an asteroid at the planet and kill all the humans um, then go fly off into the sunset Mm-hmm. Um, right. On planet Earth, the Hyperion, a lot of people are questioning whether they should um, sort of like Colossus did a little question, and Hyperion's like, why should we listen to the Time Broker? Do you believe him to Carol? And then he um, realizes Carol fancies him and then basically has his way with Carol. Um, rips her, her costume off. Yep, rips her costume up and everything, even calls her disgusting afterwards, as a, um, which she seems very happy with. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And then uh, young Kitty Pride, who has just been scared for life watching that um, hate sex uh, through a a wall, comes out and is like, help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which, um, meanwhile, Vision uh, um, finds Gambit, which I found was kind of funny, like him holding Gambit up and um, bringing him, finds out that they have to kill all the mutants uh, so they can move on. And there's 10 in existence. Seven on the asteroid of Bourbon, three on the planet. Um, Kitty being one of them. Colossus comes in, interrupts the Hyperion sort of, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like, Hyperion's like, no one's going to kill anyone sort of thing. Because um, he's going to kill Kitty, but he's not happy. Hyperion's like, no, we're going to do it differently. Um, Vision comes in and is like, actually, we should probably kill it and move on. He blasts Vision and is all like smarmy about it. He's very Vegeta. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like, we're going to rule the world. And everyone's kind of convinced. Um, Gambit's just like lost Morning Storm. So he's like, yeah, whatever. Plus, is like, well, it can't be any bad. And um, <sighs> Spider wants to meet everyone. And then I sighed because uh, even though I like this issue, Chuck Austin still has problems with women because the only reason Cal uh, agrees is so that she can have sex with him. Yeah. And that was a bit odd. I yep. thought you being a psychopath would have been fine. And lo and behold, they're just um the mutants up above are having technical difficulties, so they just decide that it's best just to let the uh let the asteroid go, the the one that they're gonna kill the planet with, and uh, it's like far and all of humanity's dead. Um the end. Mm-hmm. Um I actually really like the way uh Califiori draws Hyperion. Like mm-hmm. He's very much like um, your typical Superman uh, poses with the folded arms and stuff. And the sure, the, sure. He's got like, this like sort of weird sneer that goes along with some of his dialogue, which kind of works really well for me. No, he draws um, a good like evil face. Yeah, he's got. He's so. That's why I I got Vegeta vibes because he's kind of like a preening prick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of really worked. And I do really like the way all of the characters look because i'm really i'm i've sort of like warmed to the to the sort of bland but okay spider because <laughs> he's kind of bland and he's got like a looking weird... yeah yeah just sort of a red figure but i i kind of like his face like i don't understand why he's got like a like an, almost like a gas mask-esque-ness to his yeah, um... i kept staring at that too um but i kind of like his face i actually can i like the fact that um like his his uh miss marvel uh, has like a really dark dark turned uh, like the, the, like she is she's an evil version of carol kind of thing like there's all of the imagery and i do like that um colossus compared to the rest it's kind of like almost like he's almost colored differently to them as well he feels mm-hmm. and is drawn like a brighter happier person right i just i've generally liked it it's just talking heads the whole issue is just talking heads with like one act of violence um which is done beautifully i like the disassembling of uh, vision oh yeah um and i just i kind of enjoyed it even austin's dialogue i do have issues with carol's reason for staying but um yeah and it's not like she's like you'll be mine he's like well when i'm not screwing other women then i, I guess i'll try to make time for you she's like okay that's good enough <laughs> it's <laughs> Because I'd rather have been like Spider who's like, can I kill, can I kill mutants still? And he's like, you can kill as many humans as you want. And he's like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. Like, it's because she sort of felt like a, 
like evil. Like she would be down with it because she just wants to rule the world, but right. she just wants to, you know, DTF, is it what the kids say? Yeah, um, that's all she wants. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's it's the fly in the ointment sort of feel to it. But weirdly enough, I actually really enjoyed it. So. No, I, I thought the issue, I was surprised. I was like, oh, Hyperion issue, this is going to be bad. But I was surprised by how much I did like it. Uh, you know, Carol issues aside, uh, we, you know, which I agree with you on. I thought it was uh, uh, interesting to see the, the Weapon X team, how they interact, uh, how there's this conflict over on this team as well. Um, and that we're going to be in for probably a, a bloody you know, arms being ripped apart, head smashing kind of a story with Hyperion coming. But uh, uh, p- part of it, part of it is compelling because, yeah, why do they have to help the time brokers? Like they're they're not guaranteed they're ever going to go home anyway. It's just like, well, you're doing this stuff until you die. So then why if, if my end goal is death, why don't I just try to do what I want anyway? So him uh, him changing course. I like that. Like let's that's an idea we haven't done before. Let's see how that goes. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how he destroys all of the mutants in, <laughs> in space because uh, he's magic kill anyone uh, Deus Ex Machina person. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Because I feel like um uh this check this quite this really changes like the direction for the book in in general because um. What they've done is kind of like counter what the time broker wants, and I I, I know what happens, but it, it feels like this is the sort of thing that allows for a crossover between the teams, right. Weapon X, and it feels uh, important enough to, unlike like I I actually in, enjoyed a lot of um the is it the Emperor Iron Man thing that Austin did before. Oh right, because maybe Austin uh, is better at just having evil people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the crossover with X-Men that was uh, that was a horrible moment yeah. he really sort of captures like maybe because he just I don't know I don't know if it's just he, it's his like no it was like psychopathic crazy crazy evil people he did well like his Havoc was terrible as Havoc but as like a crazy evil person like he knew how to how to write that character so maybe it's like um, Forte is just like crazed villains yeah, and so when that's why he probably struggles to actually write the Gambit here. Gambit's not a bloodthirsty, mm. um, but he's mourning Storm, so um, yeah, so he's just silent. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens because I I feel like Hyperion, like you said, he's he's a, he's a force of like storytelling rather than like you can't quantify his power. So I feel like he's just gonna walk over the earth and right. Yeah, next time we see it, he's already like sorted it out, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was definitely awesome. Well, uh, that was a good issue. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, you know, X Factor has been down for so long, but Exiles, uh, you know, has been fairly consistently uh, an enjoyable book, right? Yeah, it's got like um, when it's it it flitters between. Like, good and great. Good and great, yeah. And I, I like the fact that recently it's sort of like straddled this line of like a Saturday morning action cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like, oh, what would you do? What would happen if the Saturday morning action figures turn evil? Right. <laughs> and I kind of like, I like the simplicity of it all, to be fair. Sure. Me too. All right. 
Well, let's jump on over to X Factor 87. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm trying to find the creators page, and it's not popping up. It's right at the end. Um, oh, is it at the very end? Okay. Wonderful. Let me get there. It surprised me that I didn't notice the artist straight away. Um, so, and it's on the front cover anyway, so I should have like guessed immediately. <laughs> well, um, but we've got more. Okay. This like um, we're gonna name the jobs in different ways and make it funny in like really gross ways. It continues. We've got Peter David as the general practice. Uh, with Shanna David, associate, I guess, I don't know, that's his daughter maybe helping to write. Um, or maybe wife, I don't know. Well, then it says, Joe Quesada, doctor of gynecology. Ha, 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 um, Sure. Uh, Al Milgram is the doctor of ophthalmology. So I'm guessing that, who knows. Uh, Marie Jarvins is doctor of veterinary medicine. And uh, Richard Starkings and Stevie Ditko, doctors of podiatry. People people did stuff on the book. Then <laughs> people did stuff on the book. Um, is this Al Milgram? Uh, Al Milgram's. I think he's the Inca. Um, okay. Is it Quesada? Yeah, Quesada's all the way through. Um, Quesada all the way through. Right. He does some great art. But oh. that's like like the 2000s <laughs> let's uh let's look at the cover we've got uh, the x-factor team in fighting pose charging up and ready to attack uh, a therapist um <laughs> what did you think of this cover um i like madrox and strong guy <laughs> the rest just feel a bit weird in places I know. It's okay. It doesn't do anything. I, 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 what I like the most is the fact that the sign's been slashed, weirdly enough. Yeah, I like the, yeah, green is slashed, the X-Factor sign. I think Havoc looks pretty good, except for his crazy face. Um, <laughs> but uh, surprise, surprise, um, all the members of X-Factor, after going through that ordeal that we had to read uh, with our other friends like a year ago, um, have to go through some therapy to make sure they're okay so we start off and rain uh has joined the the rain and simpy show uh so she's doing like a rain and simpy cartoon um peter david loves his humor and he loves his references so here's a rain and simpy reference uh until oh wait a second she's just recounting her dreams to the therapist and she's talking about how guido told her she can't trust the therapist um and uh She's she's sort of going over her her, her past trauma uh, with um, the man that raised her and how she feels against authority figures and kind of has a breakthrough. Uh, we move over to Quicksilver, who, you know, P Peter David takes his time to sort of explain what it's like to be Quicksilver in like the man who can mo move a million miles a second, having to live at the speed that we live through life. And I think he does sort of a fun, fun job of doing that. Um, Polaris, for some reason, is suddenly obsessed with her weight uh, in this book and is like, you think I'm fat? I'm not fat. I lost weight. I, I, my jaw was, was uh, wired shut. I lost weight. What's your problem? It's a very, you know, we talk about Polaris having like crazy 
tones in recent books, but this is also like a, a wildly uh, left turn uh, after after a battle. Um, then Guido explains uh, his origin story, which I had never read before, and uh, explains why he's so hulking and big. Like if he doesn't release his energy right away, just sort of. Uh, warps his body in, in strange ways. So when his powers first came to him, he didn't know he needed to release his energy, and uh, his body just grew to these crazy proportions until he released it, and so now he's stuck like this. Plus, he's also in constant pain, but he will never let anyone know that because he believes if people know you're in pain, they will pity or attack you. Uh, Jamie uh, explains that he doesn't like being alone, basically. And uh, Havoc uh, explains how he's struggling to deal with being a leader and, and finding the confidence to do that in measuring up against his brother. Then Polaris comes back with a new uniform, strips, and is like, hey, I'm, I'm S&M dominatrix woman. Uh, does this make you Randy? And he's like, the therapist's like, yes, it does. She's like, good. <laughs> it was such a, such a shift here, Dan. Um, <laughs> and at the end... Uh, uh, their their leader um, organizer comes in and, and the therapist is like, hey, uh, I talked to them. Um, what do you think they are? And and she explains how she feels the team to be. And we realize that she has a distorted view of how everyone else is actually in the team. Uh, she storms off and then is attacked by a, a, a tentacle monster. Uh, and that's the end of the issue. Dan, I, I, I appreciated this issue a lot, actually. I thought it was good to have a break from the fighting of, what was it, Executioner's Song we just did with this? Yep. Mm-hmm. So to have a break from that and to delve into how these characters are feeling and their motivations and getting to know them. I sort of really appreciated that. And I don't know if you didn't like the art, but I thought there were a number of like really great pages here. Um, I, I kind of like how we drew rain. Uh, when she wasn't um, wolf wolfing out, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I thought the color work was was on point. Uh, some interesting layouts. I, I I really enjoyed this issue. What did you think? To be fair, I think um, I I left when I read this uh, early on. Um, I think I just got left with the impression of the random tentacle monster and like Polaris's really bizarre costume change moment. Because <laughs> uh, to be fair, um, aside from Polaris, who is the glaring shining and the weird tentacle creature they are just like bizarre choices mm-hmm. um i feel like um reigns is quite interesting as a character piece for her um yeah i feel like jamie's a little short changed yep uh, yeah uh but it, it's nice to see like sort of someone tackling uh, um, quicksilver's sort of speed thing which I also enjoy that his um, nephew uh, does that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That was a great story in that book as well. So, like, the idea is it's it's nice to see that someone else um, tried it as well. And I think um, Strong Guys, the uh, Guido is the um, the main standout um, from it all because it's kind of like like you said his origin story, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice to see. Um, Havoc Alex just kind of comes off kind of like whinier than scott that usually does so it's a brother thing i imagine Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i enjoy i enjoy bits of it but i didn't enjoy all of it and artistically going through it again i do actually think i was probably being super harsh because i think the color work is great and i think it's the right sort of like the art's kind of weirdly over animated which kind of helps yeah 
they're talking a lot and I do love that everyone's like clearly anyone joining the book is the only the only like artistic point the editor says is Polaris's hair has to be insane yes it has to be like randomly flowing for no reason just wrapping around and uh, just hey man it looks great it does it does look as um great hierography is it um but, <laughs> yeah it, it kind of just lost me I feel like the Val sequence is actually really good where she she thinks the team's fine mm-hmm. but it's just it's like when Polaris puts on the sexy new uniform which I'm like are we really going with that like are we going forward with that mm-hmm. um which isn't happy for me anyway um but when she just walks outside and gets attacked by a tentacle monster and it's um you find out it's Doc Samson as the psychiatrist I was kind of like um okay <laughs> that doesn't fit with anything that's going on here yeah i don't i don't i don't know why that happened i have no idea but i think i've warmed to it a little bit more especially like looking through it again um i think it's got a lot more credit than i think when i was reading it earlier um mm-hmm. so maybe i was just reading it and i was in a bit of a, a little bit more of a, like a get it done mood than oh. um Sure, I've been in those moods before. I, I and you know, Jamie, like you said, does get shortchanged. Uh, and Polaris has a weird like, "Am I sexy now?" moment, which is like, did you, did did I miss something? Did like it, it, we read Executioner's song like a year yeah. ago or six months ago? So maybe something happened during that that fight. I don't remember her having being like going through. I look. Like visually, we all look identical bodies, but I f- I'm fatter than everyone, and and this is an issue now. Like this this seems to come almost out of nowhere, unless my memory is is is. I don't remember because um I know that she was having issues because of the the um the thing around her jaw. She was saying that it was making like it made her feel uncomfortable and sure and, and unattractive, which made sense. Um. But I don't remember in Executioner's song someone psychically telling her or having like a nervous breakdown because she was in a fight and someone called her fat or something. I I don't remember like anything to do with her diet being an issue. No. Like, she's, like she still has. Um, if it was more about like her her feelings to having something around her face or or what, then right, it right. make more sense. But the whole like, how dare you think I'm, like. And how dare, uh, how how dare like life treat me this way? And I'm not fat. And look at my new super sexy. Co- it's the most ridiculous excuse to have a costume change I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I I I almost wonder if they were like, uh, we need more sex appeal in this book. <laughs> Find a way to do it. What was wrong with her last costume? Like literally, it was nice. It was in in a day and age where everyone, every poor poor lady. Um, in comics, had that that weird bathing suit, definitely having a camel tur sort of like vision, like everyone's Psylocke or uh, Carol. Right. And I was like, in this day and age, it was nice to see that Polaris had like a jacket on, had trousers, shoes, had an actual like cos like. Right. On. Is Jean the only one that's allowed to wear like um, a full onesie? Um, Sort of I mean, it, yes, it's it's. Uh, that's why I'm thinking like someone was like, get with the times, get the tits out, ass out. Let's let's see it. I, it just feels so like uh, shoehorned into this uh, strange turn for her. 
You know, it's, that's, that's so awful. Like we had the Carol like sex pot story and then we have Polaris like, I'm not confident about my body. Look at my breasts. It's a very strange two books for these these characters. It's very men have written this. A very, very straight white men have written this. Sure. Because um, like Peter David, uh, for all, you know, he's evolved as a writer and everything. Um, but just this just like... I don't know if it was him or editorial or whatever, but it feels like in a book where they're talking about their emotional state and mm. and stuff, you, it feels very odd to be like, I don't, I'm not fat. It's not like, it's all your perception's fault. And then she comes back and goes, you want to fuck me now? And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yes. I, I was reading it and I was like, right, I don't, I was like, I like, I like her hair, but what she's saying is insane. So that was <laughs> part. And then, yes. and then, then, then we move on, and then all of a sudden it's like, why should I? What? Why should? Who's this? All I can think of was who's the therapist that she's wanted to bang so hard that she's yes. like, here come in the menu. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Maybe that's because that's the thing. I, I, it'll be the lasting impression I have of the, the book. Hence why when we were coming into this podcast, I was like, oh yeah. Sex bot Lana, Lana and weird tentacle creature. Yeah, that was a weird moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas going through it again, I'm like, oh, actually, it was actually really good in places. It's just, yeah. <laughs> just oh, it's such a weird uh, choice. Um, no, for sure. And I, all I can think of is like Doc Sampson has uh, like luxurious hair. Maybe she's just trying to compete to, to show him that you've got nothing on me. I, I have no idea. It's uh. It's, it's just odd. Also, after reading Gen X first, um, and Nightmare is uh, in that with the text box being like um, with the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the text box in X Factor for the psychiatrist was green, like a green hue around it, I was like, "Are they talking to Nightmare? Is this about is this like Nightmare mm-hmm. thing?" And then it's just Doc Samson because apparently he talks in green. Uh, um, <laughs> he's a Hulk character. I don't. I don't know. Wasn't Peter David like doing both books at the time though? He was doing Hulk and yeah, uh, so, right. I mean, maybe. books that he's left and come back to multiple times, right? Yep, that's very true. Well, all he all he does, um, bless his soul. Uh, all, all he's doing at the moment is was it is it um, Hulk uh, Maestro um, Maestro mm-hmm. um, and um, they announced another book that he's uh, is he doing twenty ninety nine? No, it's I that. don't know. That's someone else. But he did, they did announce another book that he was like integral to like the character in the past, and he's doing more on it now. Uh, okay. But I, I generally can't remember um, for the life of me. Look, <laughs> I, I, I can't like excuse what's being done with Polaris here. I just question. It, it doesn't seem very Peter David to, of, no. of uh, you know. So maybe it was his idea. I have no idea. It just feels weird. But you know, uh, there. There are, are really good moments in this book, and I feel like he, he's, for the most part, uh, a good writer here, and he, he becomes a great writer as he, he moves forward. So, And I don't feel like, you know, I'm not sexy enough stories or here, here are my tits, stare at them, sort of sex potty storylines really happen with his books later on. So maybe once he has some clout, he's able to, like, change things. I don't know. Uh, but it, it doesn't make me feel like, oh, D- Peter David's a horrible person or a writer. It just feels so, so odd. Remember, since we've been reading it, I can't remember a moment 
that's been like overly sexualized apart from the creation of is it the uh, the, the group of female mutant villains um, oh, right even then they weren't hypersexualized they were visually but they sure. weren't like, hypersexualized in the way that it's written here so who knows it was very much, I feel like you, your idea of someone coming and going, it's the 90s, give her breasts. Um, as I'm <laughs> trying to maybe, she looks like she belongs on a Youngblood cover. No, exactly. So it's kind of like, because mm, <laughs> you're losing sales to Image Comics. It could be. It could, that could be it. I don't know. Uh, it just felt very shocking, you know. Really? I'd love to talk to him and... Um, well, we wouldn't be able to talk to uh, Case Adder, but um, I'd love to talk to him and be like, do you, know, do you remember this moment in <laughs> x Right. right. <laughs> like, what was that about? Are you allowed to talk about that? <laughs> I feel, you know, we, we've discussed it before. Like, his books get messed with all the time. It's one event or another thing or, you know, shoehorned into this and, like, editorial changes that way. You're like, he never really gets to tell a story. I, maybe just, like, his X-Factor uh, investigations book, his maybe the, well one of the main ones that he doesn't really get you know editorial mandates on but I, I would love to talk to him about that as much as the thing is i once i once on twitter when when image comics uh maybe like eight years ago was having a really high point i'm like I, on twitter i was like i would love to see peter david writing an image book i think that would be fun to see him you know have his own ideas with no with, with like full creative control and he actually replied he's like never happened I'm, I'm sticking with marvel so i really do wonder like if they have taken care of him financially in some way or, or what it is that keeps him there uh despite him never really having full control over what story to tell it's i would just love to, to hear his side of things if he's ever free to talk about it he's um it's fascinating because um i'm re-watching babylon 5 for better or worse and he writes episodes of babylon 5 mm-hmm and it's, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's Peter David. And then you, you remember that he's done, like, a Star Trek novel series. And, mm-hmm. like, he's written this and that. And I was like, that's crazy. Well, it's not crazy because, obviously, people get work. But um, it just it just feels like um, like he's never wanted to do anything of his own. It seems like a... Could be. It could be. He just he has other characters he already loves and he wants to tell stories with. I mean, he's great at it. Yeah. More, 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 more to him. To be fair, mm-hmm. uh, at least when he's, um, at least I, I know I'm like in for a good time when he's allowed to, because there's um new books that he's been doing, like like the Alien Symbiont book and the um Future Hulk stuff. He's clearly been allowed to just do whatever he wants, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which must be quite freeing. Um, sure. To be fair, but yes, who knows? He's another, he's another guy that. Right, we'll have well, you get to draw Spider or write Spider Man. Great, uh, it's a B book. Okay, fine. And we're gonna commentate your stories. Okay. <laughs> and then, oh, you want to write a, an X Men book? Yeah. And you get to write the B book. Oh, that's fine. I'll just tell. I love these characters. Yeah, but you're gonna write the stories you want you to write. Okay. And it, it feels like that, like he gets shuffled between, and then then they shift from the Hulk, and then he's back to Spider Man, and then he's back to X Men, and they just keep shifting him around, and it, it's like a, a merry-go-round for him. What I will say about his X Factor investigations one is that when he was um, attacked by uh, events like Civil War, um, mm-hmm. uh, Messiah Complex, he managed to make the best of it. Um, oh, sure, yeah, of course. So, 
which a lot of people don't. I felt, uh, I remember, uh, is it one Avenger book which came off the back of an event and it just felt dead on arrival because mm-hmm. uh, it had to deal with the event for like four issues before it could actually tell its own story. And I feel like that's the problem with events and launching books yeah. in, in the middle of it. Because now they're sort of launching books after, which they've done always, always, but now they're never, not really launched. They have times instead. They're not launching series right. in the middle of an event, which is, which is at least better for whoever wants to like move on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, crazy. It is crazy. Well, Dan, those were our books for the week, uh, for the month, for the episode. Uh, overall, you know, not bad. We Excalibur was atrocious, but you know the other books had had some bright spots, uh, some uh, more than others. Famous. Yeah, I was. You know, we I think we were both like, oh no, not these books. And then we looked over them again and we're like, oh, actually, these books, not bad. It's actually not a bad bad haul. Um, to be fair, um, averaging out, three of them are actually higher than like what I'm reading weekly from Marvel anyway. So <laughs> it's 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 been a um, if we're allowed to expand to talk about like recent stuff, which I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the books at Marvel at the moment are just for me tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either like they're in the middle of some sort. Of stupid event that is completely pointless and i i just feel like it's burning the foundations that were clearly built uh on purpose and um oh it's uh like they've lost direction because they're waiting for they seem to be on, like all stalled they're like airplane yeah, yeah. waiting to land for a storyline um there's only like a handful of marvel ones which i'm i'm really um sort of excited to reach each, each month whereas bizarrely it could just be the, the lingering DC mood of last year, but bizarrely, DC is like, this book is awesome. This book is awesome. Have you seen the art in this book? Um, so right. It's kind of like, like Catwoman is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful books I have seen. Isn't it? It's gorgeous. And like, and right, Teeny Howard is is either two separate people. Or just, <laughs> her, her Catwoman is really like interesting. The art levitates it to some sort of godly plateau, yeah. but like um how script is really works with it and i adore nightwing i think it is one of the modern classics of our time this one on nightwing at the yeah. moment it's a fantastic creative book um uh, yeah son of superman uh he may be like the most wokest superman of all but i don't care it's mm-hmm. a great fun book which actually feels like a superman book as opposed to like um what was being written a couple of months like before John got paid. <laughs> you know I mean? so like I feel like there's I'm I'm like excited to read I'm excited to see Batman and that's something I don't think I've said in ten years so like you know what I mean DC's yeah. like yeah and I look at I look at Marvel and I'm like I'm not actually excited for any of these X books at all um the, the only I think you know we like New Mutants is the one where we're enjoying you yeah yeah because like um. I wasn't on the latest Snickcast, listeners, but you'll you'll hear my thoughts. But yeah, New Mutants is a, was an interestingly nice read. It just got let down a tad by its heart. But um, I feel like going forward, I am maybe Immortal X Men is the only one I'm. Yeah, that's the other one we're hoping will be something. But, but Marauders is is iffy at best. Um, going forward, I'm not confident in it. And also, 
let's not forget that or Immortal X-Men is going to get derailed in about two months because that stupid event where the X-Men fight uh, the Eternals. Yeah. So, because we need another event like that. I, <laughs> the Xbox have like gone. I I don't know. There's something this this X lives of Wolverine, X deaths of Wolverine sort of derailed the whole flag picture island everything it just feels like all over the place um, no i mean it, i don't know what what happened uh behind the scenes and i i don't know if it's, it's right to like defend hickman to this degree but i imagine it was it was difficult to like lead all the xbox and like well we need another event and we need another event and and all oh, that story you want to tell well too bad i know we gave you creative control but you're not doing that and uh, can you make another event and uh like uh, you can't use this character and and uh, this plan you had about um, uh, oh boy, what's his name? Uh, the Fantastic Four son, uh, Franklin. Yeah, like oh, sorry, not gonna be able to do that anymore. Uh, so like no, 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 no. Uh, make another event, please. Uh, no, no, more events. And oh, what you want to leave? Why would you want to do that? Like, I, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I'm being fair in my depiction here, but, like, I imagine that's how it could feel, dealing just, with them. It just feels odd. Um, like, I think it's a telling that there was always going to be an X, X-Men book and it was always going to be, like, a super team book. Uh, that clearly was always the, the thing. But I think um, I got quite, quite... The most recent X-Men issue has a hint that um, uh, Think might leave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that feels like... If he leaves the main core X-Men book, that feels like one of the last pieces of Hickman sort of yeah. doing. Because the Gen X bo- kids are going to get put back in the box. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, he's he's become like a really... Like a lot of... He's, he's gained... From X-Men, he's gained a lot of fans. Like people that uh, on Twitter and that are like, he's awesome. What a great character. And I'm like, yes. Um, right. Yeah. Where, where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> but Because um, <laughs> like, I don't know, it just... If you're gonna like throw, because he's been such a focal in some in the issues as well, to to, to then be like, oh, maybe he should leave. Um, right. I would like maybe, maybe let Sunfire leave. You know, the one you don't use. Or um... yeah, they don't use. But, Man, you yeah. know what I would love to see, and I uh, I'd love it to be an, an ongoing book. But you know, I'd even take a mini. Would be, you know, we had that Gambit Rogue miniseries. I'd love to see a Sync uh, uh, Wolverine miniseries with with. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that would be a great them sort of reconnecting or maybe they're being sent on missions or, or whatever. I'd love to see like a six part story with them. I just think it's because obviously they have to like, I just feel like um, nothing's given chance to brief. But we all un, I know we all understand that the X-Men lineup is going to change every year because of the voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously being cut down to not an event at all. Um, mm. um, and because the voting came in so quickly. Like was it January where everyone was asked to vote for who wants to, who who you want right. to be in um, X Men? Um, it almost feels like I know that book's been out now eight months, um, give or take, but it doesn't feel like it's been out eight months. Or it doesn't feel like the characters that have been voted for last time have had, chance- had any time. It's been all like like fighty action stuff. It's what Jason and I talked about. Like uh, the most recent X Men issue on its own was like it's a fine, it's a good issue, but like when you take it in conjunction with every other issue it just feels like punchy shoot explosion book and, and nothing's really happened for eight issues well i think they need to slow down and do a, a what we just read in x factor where where the characters get to live and breathe 
right and focus focus away from scott for a little bit just like focus on the team you don't even because like rogue has been taken off excalibur to be put in this team and she is she's not being used yeah and it's just it's maybe the roster is just too big it is kind of yeah and like um other thing other things that are just sort of slightly annoying is like i read the marauders and i was like oh right so it's basically like a gathering of the team sort of thing and getting rid of all the other the, the, all of duggan's stuff and like rejigging mm-hmm. it but it's i, I was like uh oh, but the characters still don't feel like they're gonna get i'm hoping because Orlando's actually a really good writer i'm just hoping that right. he can because like i know that not a lot of people like his, his when he did justice league of america um mm. I have a soft spot because I'm a massive Vixen fan and he had Vixen on the team. But he managed to like service all the characters, even mm-hmm. though it was a, 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 like nearly a 10 man team. He managed to at least give them all like a couple of issues each or a story arc each and like bring them all out and together. So I'm hoping um, that's the case. But with the idea that Cassandra Nova is going to be on the team, I feel that like that's going to be the main focus for like ever. Yes. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want. Like, I love that it's he's picking up X Men Red's sort of like she feels compassion now that so she's gonna like help mutants sort of thing, mm-hmm. but I'm still kind of like mm. and uh, we've just I'm sorry we're just speculating it's because I didn't, wasn't on Snickcast to speculate with you guys <laughs> we're all now down now I do have high hopes for um, Immortal X Men because I just out of <laughs> everything about the Kukoan era mm-hmm. the Quiet Council is and has the most potential sure for story so because if we're not going to focus on build the, the building of the nation anymore because x core uh disappeared without a trace and um that just vanished i didn't even know it was cancelled i thought it was poof, gone. not even yep. an not even an announcement just and with x factor disappearing um for better or worse uh mainly for better um i feel like we're losing chunks or losing pieces of the 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 society and mm-hmm. like oh, the society they could have built and it's just it's just going to be a backdrop now kind of like the mansion right. it, it could just be like well it's, there's nothing different than being in a mansion mm. the, sure you know you're right yeah so, what's the so difference we'll see how it we'll see how it pans out um because uh we'll see how benjamin percy um what he does with all this like weird wolverine time travel stuff Anyway, um, yeah, but someone, someone, I don't know if you read the most recent issue, but I think they called him Technogin instead of Logan. It's Techno, like the, I don't know if you read the sort of digital Wolverine. No, (laughs) (laughs) all right, I, I, right, hand on heart, and I know Jason disagrees with me, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, I haven't listened to his most recent podcast, but I have not enjoyed any of those issues. Um, I like the concept of the one where Wolverine's in the past. Um, and is it Omega Red is attacking and they're trying to kill Xavier? Conceptually, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I just don't care for it. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one, which is picking up the Moira thread, but making it a Wolverine book somehow. Um, with, the, right. with, with the really hyper sort of edgy artwork which is so western trying to be anime that it hurts me sometimes to look at it um 
I don't like that at all. Like, I'm just not gelling with that. I think um, Moira just, Moira's like, she, obviously she had her arm cut off, so maybe that does change the person's personality. But yeah. <laughs> she just feels way different and like, are we having like a uh, like a Gina Davis uh, esque uh, Moira McTaggart running around? And I was like, just get to Orcus already and betray the mutants. Come on, that's right. literally <laughs> that's literally where this feels like it's going. So just just do that and just you know have them all die or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm just not I'm just not a fan of it. So that event's kind of like exorcised me essentially. Um, well, I have not read any of those issues yet, so. <laughs> um, Sorry, but I didn't know if you. No, you no, you're not spoiling me. It's fine. It's not like I was like, oh, I can't can't wait to see what's happening. It's, there's a reason. I, I mean, I'm so busy with other things. Uh, just having the time to read comics is is tough. So I get to read what we do for Jason and what we do for here, and uh, you know, I read um, Catwoman and uh, Nightwing because I, I love them. But sometimes even those take me a couple months before I, I catch back up on them. But uh, like, I'm not. There's also there's another reason I'm not reading that storyline is because I wasn't like oh can't wait to see what this Wolverine event is going to be like is an, oh another Wolverine event great all I keep thinking um, every time it gets to the end because I haven't I, I've just stopped I'm just stopped so I haven't read the one where he calls himself Techno Logan or whatever oh no that's that's what someone named him online was Technogan I think oh god even worse um. See, see, I couldn't even just dis- because it's so bad. I couldn't distinguish whether that was an online name or they did it in the actual comic book. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw, I think it was one of the second issue. I looked and I was like, oh, sh- crap, there's 10 of these. Yeah, I'll, I'll TLDR it at the end. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I'll ask Jason if anything important actually happens and um, go on from there. Because Xavier's clearly not going to get murdered because he's in Immortal X-Men. So, right. yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't promote releasing after um, the fact sometimes right <laughs> but anyway well that was a lot of additional comic talk I hope hope everyone enjoyed that uh, but Dan where, where can everyone find us right you can find us on Podbean where we are usually situated at podbean.com forward slash Excalibros all our episodes are there if you type Excalibros into uh, Google you, you should come up with everything we're on um, Stitcher or iTunes all the place where you can get podcasts just type our name in and on twitter we are excalibur's number one um yes number one number one yes so yeah awesome well that was that was a lot of fun dan uh glad we got to talk these issues and uh we will talk to everyone next time see you later bye-bye